WBNE. Adieu, Hugs. Before we get started today, we want to tell you about Patreon. Patreon is a service where you give us money and we make more content for you. It's a service where you give us money. <laughs> money. It's like baguettes, but, but okay, currency. Yeah. In, in, in English, please. Okay, if you don't know, Bacon and Eggs is sponsored almost entirely by Patreon. We do this because, well, we do. And we would love for you to support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. If you don't know what Patreon is at this point, it's a service where you give, like a subscription service where you elect to give uh, so many dollars per month. And in return, uh, you get access to bonus content like our bonus show uh, Ragnarok, which is a two-player D&D campaign that Ethan and I are working through. I put a lot of work into it, so I'd love for you to listen to it and just tell me what you think of it. Like, that would be the end of it. I'd be cool with that. We also have a Discord server where there's a bunch of people who just hang out and you get to meet a whole bunch of cool new friends. If you don't know what Discord is, that it's like a chat room. And I've taught you a lot now. So that's three and $5 tiers. And if you want the other tiers, you can go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. Check out all the cool reward tiers we have over there. We would love, 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 love for you to support us on Patreon so that we can continue making our dream of podcasting a uh, reality. That is like genuinely my number one dream in life. It is what uh, keeps me up at night. And then when I do fall asleep it's what i dream about it is like all i really want to do like truthfully 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 you are making dreams come true if you support bacon and eggs on patreon deadly freaking serious but anyway that, that's enough for me we're gonna get on with the show and then i'm gonna like literally in two seconds intro the show one two howdy yucks and welcome back to bacon and eggs i'm tyler carlin and i'm ethan edgehill and today we're playing do that do that jazz or maybe we're just getting a chair thrown at our heads so tune your kit to b flat and play my tempo because today we're bringing you whiplash however that song goes whiplash yeah this film was directed by damien giselle uh which is not on my sheet but i know that because he's the la la land guy yes he is the la la land guy came out october 10th 2014 just 2055 days ago on a 3.3 million dollar budget it only made 49 million dollars worldwide which is not our lowest performing right we've done worse oh yeah uh, I think Monty okay. Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail made like a million bucks. Yeah. Uh, so this got a 93% critic rating and a 94% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an 88 on Metacritic. But Ethan, how did it do in your heart? It did very good in my heart. It did so good in my heart. It, it did so good. Yeah. But I okay. Well, hear, let's do some, let's, let's do a positive a, negative, a negative review. review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A negative review from a professional. Critic. I got a negative review for Peter Rayner, Christian Science Monitor, you know. That guy. You're usually reading you know, his reviews. Yeah, Peter Rayner's a pretty positive dude. He's a liker. And He's a liker of things. And despite being from the Christian Science Monitor, which we don't know if is more Christian forward or science forward. Or uh, monitoring I, forward. No idea. monitoring forward. I don't know. Uh, but based on most of his reviews, they're, they're pretty positive. Anyway, he says, such a cooked up piece of claptrap that I half expected Darth Vader to pick up the baton. Wait, read that one more time. Such a cooked up piece of claptrap that I half expected Darth Vader to Minion! pick up the baton. I had a, a post go like viral on Imgur back in the day. Uh, that was a claptrap meme. There was a, okay, this is true. I want to talk about claptrap just for two seconds. I know about your post and I want you to talk about that as well. In fact, give the whole punchline of it. I'm, I got to remember what it was. It has been like six years. I deleted my MJ account the other day. I deleted mine years ago. Yeah, I, I logged in and I mean, there's nothing on there that like I couldn't be proud of, but um, I didn't want, like I didn't use the account. 
And I'm sure that I commented something stupid at some point. So I just deleted it entirely. So while you're figuring that out. Oh, it was like, uh, it, was the, it was the one where he was like, your ability to walk five feet without dying. We handsome Jack's downfall. And it was like me going to the bathroom at 3 a.m. <laughs> in the dark or something like when, that. When Borderlands 2 first came out. So not only have we asked you to watch a movie, you've almost definitely not seen. We're talking about a game listener. you definitely almost haven't played. We- yeah, we're also talking about a game you definitely have. Borderlands 2 is an award-winning game. If you haven't played it, it's absolutely excellent. I will play it with you. If you send me a tweet, a, if you tweet at me and you say, Tyler, will you play Borderlands 2 with me? I will say yes. I will straight up say yes. We just got to find a time. I'm a very busy person. Okay, uh, give me give me a positive review from not Peter Rayner. Okay, I've got Emma... No, I've got Kate Muir at the Times in the UK. And she says, Hello, governor. I suggest you take a defibrillator to whiplash since the chances of a heart attack or spontaneous combustion during viewing are very high. Now, the old world gets its tempo from Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> but they the say Greenwich. that Terrence Fletcher gets his tempo from Admiral Boom. <laughs> there was a meme that came out right when Borderlands came out. I'm right back here. I, I need this point. That was like every tutorial character in every video game runs too slow, except Claptrap. Oh, yeah. Good, good, guy, good Claptrap. guy Claptrap. Yeah. Except Claptrap runs slower once you know how to do the opening quest. Right. Yeah. When you're like, stop. Stop, 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 stop. Leave me alone, please. I have played this 86 times. You know what's so funny is I've played the intro to that game more times than I can count. I've only ever gotten two characters to max level. Uh, same, I think. And it was in 2013, in, maybe. Yeah, it was like in in our, on a PS4 that we did not own. On a PlayStation 4, yeah, in, in probably Rappahannock by the time we got the second one till 82. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, let's give a binary review on Whiplash. Listen, I think everybody should see this movie. I agree. When I Okay, the movie is an hour and 45 minutes long with credits. Uh, this was the fastest hour and 45 minutes. What, this has never happened to me watching a movie before, and this is true. When it was over, I was upset because I wanted more. Oh, and it just, it hard ends too. Like there is no, it doesn't, it doesn't play out. Like there's no like fanfare. It, it ends. Yeah. Like he, he cuts the music off. The movie's over. Yeah. Directed by Damien Giselle. Oh my Roll God. What? Credits. Yeah. All right. So this is a, this is a movie that we, that lost the, um, the, the thing when we were doing the, the polls, it lost the poll to Silver Linings Playbook, but like very closely, very closely. I like this better than Silver Linings Playbook. I'll tell you that right I now. I do as well. Yeah. I have not. So I saw this. I, I You can you can look back. I've talked about it several times in the show before, but it was like what we're referring to is like Ethan's big weekend where yeah. I spent like $35 at Redbox and, and just, just watched movies. sat in front of a television and watched critically acclaimed movies because it was it was in the run up to the uh, the Oscars that year. Yes. Uh, so I watched Birdland. I watched Interstellar for the first time. Not Birdland. Birdman. Watch Birdman. Watch Interstellar for the first time. Watch this for the first time. You and I watched The Imitation Game together. Did we really? Yeah. I thought I saw The Imitation Game for the first time at Emily's house. No, you and I watched The Imitation Game together on the couch, like the broken couch in port. Did you know I hated that couch? Yes, I did. I hope that doesn't upset you. I mean, it's fine. (laughs) I had a couch. You did not. (laughs) I had a love sack. You kept it in your room for most of the time we lived there. Yeah, because I've this is so weird. I felt like if I brought it out and we had like a party and it got all like messy, then I would be like, I ruined my love sack. 
But then as our parties got bigger, I was like, well, I obviously have to take it out. Yeah. Because um, we have to have a love sack. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about the love sack. That is literally all popcorn culture is anymore is talking about the love sacks and Good. like the times when Ben used to own multiple love sacks. Yeah. The one I had was one of Ben's. I think he said he owned a total of like five over his lifetime. I, I don't currently remember. Anyway. have a quote for a sectional out there. We're not talking about love sacks on this podcast. We're talking about jazz. We're talking about, so this is a thing that you and I have intimate familiar with, like familiarity with. We went to school and were taught by a band director who was essentially a very soft version of Terrence Fletcher. Yeah. Our like Terrence Fletcher says things in this movie that have been absolutely like, that were drilled into my head in 10th grade. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like Brian Quagenbush, God love him, saw this movie and felt validated. Hundred percent. I don't know that he did. I I don't think anybody wants to be Terrence Fletcher. Okay. No. Like. No. But okay. So this is this is the elephant in the room, right? Is like I get it. Okay. Everybody can do whatever they want. Everybody can be president, right? We live in America. Right. Like anybody can be president unless you're a woman. Oh God. I mean, I'm not saying that. That is what we've proven as a country. We love to sit around and say that everybody can be president. Um, we have proven that that we as a country are not ready to vote for a one president. Apparently, um, well, we're ready to vote for one. She won the popular vote. We're just not ready to. Yeah, we're ready to vote. We're ready one. to vote for one. We're not ready to uh, elect one. Right. Um, but like, an education is very much this idea of like everybody is a special person and everybody can be the best they can be, which I agree with. This is not the thing at all. And like, I, I texted you last night and I said this. I don't think Terrence Fletcher should be teaching public high school band. Okay. Correct. I would agree with that. I but don't necessarily the- have a problem with a guy like Terrence. And obviously, Terrence Fletcher is an exaggerated form of, of, and nobody is like this. Nobody is that unfeeling that is also an educator. Nobody that actually wants kids to succeed feels this way. Right. No, because nobody- He has that line, that powerful line in the film that is, there's no more harmful two words than good job. Than good job, yeah. I I don't think that's true. I genuinely don't. I think the greatest teacher with the highest expectations will still say good job. Yeah. Because I don't think It would be good job, but it would not be, yeah. Joe Jones was wrong for throwing a symbol at Charlie Bird Parker's head, okay? Right. But he also needed to make it clear to Charlie Parker that that he messed up. You can say that all you want. A lot of really fine players went through Manor Ferguson's band, and he was like notoriously the nicest teacher. I'm sure, but I I also don't think that he was, he was the nicest teacher, but you can be a nice teacher and still impart to your students that there at some point is at some point you're not allowed to fail anymore yes that is the thing is i think that that obviously they are they are exaggerated versions of human beings uh, miles teller that's his actual name that is such a made-up fantasy name that i keep every time i see miles teller in something i'm like that's your character right nope Nope. andrew neiman andrew neiman is an exaggerated version of a player and and Terrence Fletcher is an exaggerated version of a teacher. No educator would act like this, but I don't, he's not entirely wrong. I think it is pretty normal. One thing that, so we went to a college with a really good music department, better than it ever should have been. Correct. Um, But we did not go to the number one music conservatory in the United States of America. We didn't go to the number one music conservatory in Virginia. Uh, We didn't even go to the number one public music school in Virginia. Right. Uh, But we had a really good music program and one thing that, I I don't want to say is unbelievable, but if you were in the music program at a conservatory or even like a high-end public school you more off like if you're at the in the top studio band as a freshman it is because you already don't have time for the girl at the movie theater right oh and this does a better job of that scene than the social network does i disagree really social network social network acting is from the young cast i mean young from the non 
uh, I think everyone in the social network is better than Miles Teller here. Oh, not 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 acting related, just the 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 writing with it. Oh, and that like he like plays out every step that's going to happen. And like you're going to resent me because I'm going to choose this over you. Right. And you think that's not going to happen, but I promise you that it will. It that tracks more for me to Mark Zuckerberg than Erica Albright is a bitch with small boobs. But I any, anyway, I that does, I'm not going to compare these. These two movies are, are not the same at all. This is a very good biopic of somebody that doesn't exist. Is what this is, which is so fascinating to me. I think it's so interesting to write competition that isn't real. Yeah, and I know that like the competition here, they don't lose ever. Um, but I still think that that is such a hard thing to write because like it's so easy to add such fantastical drama. But I don't know. I think nothing in here is unbelievable to me. I. 100% no. believe that if I showed up to a jazz competition, which we never went to competitions, but if I showed up to a, a band competition and I had lost uh, Christina Elliott's folder, yeah, like I believe one, that that could happen, and two, that she would get in trouble for that, not me. Yeah, 100%. But also, like, it, it, this, so this movie makes several very important claims to how the story can work. One, it is not high school. They made a very interesting statement by saying that this is not high school. Why do you say that? Just because it's 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 college. You're your own person. Nobody can really protect you as much in college. I will say, so I went to music school before I like changed majors because I could not hack it in music school. Right. I related to the scene with the family so incredibly much. And I don't like blame my family. And I, I think it was a lot in my own head. But yeah. it was very easy to compare my successes to that of my siblings and assume... Partially because, like, society treats it this way. That, like, if I became the greatest jazz musician in the country, the only people that would care are people who listen to jazz. Right. And those people don't matter. Right. And I would, like, wrestle with that thought so incredibly that's much. The case, that's the case with any art, though. Like, any art form. But it's also true if you become the best quarterback in the country. Like, it only matters to people who like football. Just a lot more people like football. Right. And it's a lot louder. I mean, I've, I've experienced this very recently. It, it, not in the, like, that way. But, like, nobody in my family, for the most part, has ever really cared. I mean, outside of my parents. Has ever really cared that I do a podcast. Like, a fairly successful podcast that people listen to. Mm -hmm. And, like, I make people all over the world happy every single day. Nobody in my family's ever cared about that. But, boy, howdy, I sold a bunch of photo books and I got on the news. And they could understand that. Yeah, they that made sense to them. Yep. They could understand that. They under people understand football. If you're the best quarterback in the world, anybody understands that. Even the like a herd or sports ball people are like they know who Tom Brady is. Right. They know who Tom Brady They're is. They're lying they if they know. say they don't know who Tom Brady is. Right. They know the name Tom Brady. They know the name Peyton Manning. Probably Drew Brees. Yeah, like, you, you see these people in your active television commercials on non-sports right. channels during non-sports. Like, I can't escape Troy Polamalu. I, would, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> but, like, that, those head and shoulders ads ran everywhere, always. Yeah. Like, he's the he's the head and shoulders guy. The State Farm commercials, Aaron Rodgers, are everywhere, or were everywhere. If, if you are the best jazz player in the world, how often is Branford Marsalis on SNL as the featured guest? Uh, probably not frequently. Correct. That's what I'm saying. But he might, he, he's probably like, that, so that's the thing about jazz though. This is the thing I didn't, let's talk about jazz for a minute. Let's just, let's, let's bare bones. Let's stop talking about the movies. Bring it all back for a second. Let's tell people about jazz. Okay. Because like jazz is jazz? very interesting compared to the rest of music. Jazz. Yes. Like we always talk about like, oh, music is a language, man. And, and really esoteric terms like that. Jazz is literally like a language. A language. Yeah. You're having a conversation with the other soloist. Right. It's not even that. It's like you have to be there. You go to talk to another person in English. There's a certain amount of words that you are expected to just kind of know off the dome. Right. There is a certain amount of jazz playing that you are expected to know just cold. Yes. Like in the, at the end of this movie, a whole band that was not ready for it 
plays Caravan. Yes. Successfully. Well. Beautifully. He even as soon as he plays upswinging without a chart that he, a song that he's never played. He plays upswinging well. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty okay. To the point where the, the, the announcer was like a pretty avant-garde thing from the rhythm section there. Right. He, but he's able to keep it in tempo. He's able to like sort of listen to the brass and to the, and to the other rhythm car uh, players and be like, okay, so we've got kind of this swing thing going on. Yeah. You know, and, and then he starts playing Caravan. It looks at the bass player and he's like, I'll cue you. I got this. And the bass player's like, all right. Well, the, the band had practiced Caravan he, because I think Based that they what? did have. How do you know that? I don't know that. I guess I was under the impression that they had Whiplash and Caravan ready to go as well as Upswinging. And then they got up on stage. Oh, I don't I don't think that that was ever the case. Yeah. Okay. See, I would have thought they did. But I do feel like, yeah, if you're in a jazz band, it's the same as like, uh, I guess every comparison I'm going to make is going to be other standards you must know in music. Like if you're in a, I don't know, the, the, there's like a book of standards you're supposed to know if you play guitar in a worship band like you're just supposed to have ready to go well so, yeah, and that's uh, the case with if, if you play guitar in a jazz band too it's like you have to have the the fake book right like all the musicians the have to have the fake book, book. Yep. caravans yeah. in the fake book 100 percent. yeah and that's the thing is jazz is so much solos that like it's the rhythm section's job to kind of know it you could figure it out right if three out of four Especially, trombones know the melody the, the fourth trombone will pick it up pretty quick also probably doesn't need to play probably doesn't need to play yeah <laughs> <laughs> But it's, yeah, uh, our, our director used to, I was telling you this last night, our director used to always talk about, I've got rhythm changes. I don't what know does that mean? I don't remember this. You don't remember Fill this at all? This. He would say this all no. the time. So there's a George Gershwin song from like 1933 called I've Got Rhythm. And all okay. of bebop is based around the chords from I've Got Rhythm, like the chord changes from I've Got Rhythm. No, I would I would say Birdland and you're not Birdland, but uh, Caravan and Whiplash are not bebop. No, I wouldn't either. I'm not talking. I'm just talking about okay. like I was just just wanted to make sure. No, we're they're on the not same bebop. No, they're more like jazz pop. Yeah, I mean, that's Charlie Parker is in and out of that. I don't know. He's not. It's not uh, Charles Mingus. Um, anyway, yeah, George Gershwin, that was, and he was the ragtime guy. I mean, he wrote Rhapsody in Blue. Like, that is right. original jazz. Anyway, and, and, and that song has absolutely nothing to do with jazz music. It is just, it is a song called I've Got Rhythm. I think that, like, Fred Astaire sang it originally or something like that. Okay. And then it was in a bunch of movies, and, but it is known in the jazz world, I've figured this out since then, as... The rhythm changes, or what Q would refer to as the I've got rhythm changes. And the changes are the chord changes, like the thing that you're playing over. And if you're a rhythm section of a jazz band, you just have to know that. Because the the conductor apparently will go up there and just be like, okay, rhythm changes in A. And you have to be able to play that cold. Yeah. And well, there's no the other music like about, that. Right? You can't you can't walk up to a a a an orchestra and be like, okay. Today we're going to play any piece and expect them to know it off the dome. No, that's like the whole thing of an orchestra, though, is that it is like it is so meticulous. But that's the whole thing with together. every other music ensemble that has ever existed. That's not true. Like your rock band has solo sections, like improvised solo sections. Not really. Right? Really? No. You guys go up and play the exact same solos every night? There's no solos. There's no solos? Yeah. What? That's what rock and roll is, baby. But like, also, you can't go up to Led Zeppelin and be like, you guys know Blackbird, right? Led Zeppelin knows Blackbird. Right, but you can't, it is not expect, <laughs> that's the joke, is like, you can't actually expect a band to play Freebird. No. Here's what you can do. I will say, this is the closest thing I can think to it. If you go up, there's like a genre of bands that do this. Like, if you go up to a band of wedding singers, and you just off the dome are like, I don't know, free. what's the wedding version of Freebird? I don't know. I've never been to a wedding with a band. Oh, wait, I catered one, man. Band at a wedding. That's a, that's a certain kind of energy. I believe it. It's gotta be rad, dude. It's gotta be rad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I feel like 
Uh, this is a good example. Pat O'Brien's in New Orleans. If you go in there and you tell the piano players to play any song, they can play it. Or they will make it up. Or they will make it up. Ben Folds but I does think they're, they are the world's greatest jazz pianist. Ben, is the oh, way I absolutely. Feel it. They absolutely are. And I don't think any jazz musician is going to be like, oh yeah, no, screw the dueling piano guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like they're like, they're sitting there like, sweet that is incredible. <laughs> that is very cool. They, they actually because probably I are. Jazz, because jazz we, is a very snobby thing for the most part. Like, it, it, it is and it isn't. Like, if you're the top, like, I'm sure that Brent from Marsalis and Win from Marsalis are probably sort of douchebags. Like, they probably kind of suck a little bit to hang out with. You know how I know jazz is full of douchebags is because uh, jazz people don't like Dave Matthews Band. I literally saw Brand from Marsalis play with the Dave Matthews Band. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm just but saying like, that, like, so that's what I'm talking about is like, there's a group of, so you get to a certain level with jazz where you start acting like an asshole. And then you get to a certain extra level where you're like, okay, music is music. This is cool. I'm there, Branford Marsalis. There's a, there's a 60% in there that sucks. Yeah. Bella Fleck and the Flecktones have played with Dave. Yeah. Victor Wooden's the greatest bass player to ever live. Yeah, I would agree with that. Anybody would. I'll tell you what I love is, is bass lines and jazz music. Oh yeah. Every time they would have a bass player start playing Caravan in this, in this movie, I was like, that is so cool. He's doing the like thing. Like, God, upright bass is so cool. It is. Especially in jazz. I mean, like in bluegrass and stuff, it's still cool, but they're just like, yeah, jazz is wild, man. Like, I don't, I didn't get it when we were young at all. I don't think I got it either. I think I wanted to, I think I wanted to approach it from a, a different angle than correct. Like this is this is my problem is when you are a 10th grade jazz musician, 90% of these players are like, I'm just going to play notes in the key. I'm not going to practice my jazz scales. I'm not going to pl- practice modal anything. I'm just going to sort of roughly play in the key. I'm not going to pay attention to the chord changes. And uh, that'll be my like my jazz soloing. Yeah. And that is so incredibly not the point. Like the reason for the rules. We were talking about this in music the other day because you were talking about... Uh, Oh, I rules and re- photography. Oh, yeah, I read the tweet about the the rules of photography being evil or whatever. And like, right. no, it's, like, it's absolutely not true. It's like you 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 have to know the rules so you can break the rules. Otherwise, you're breaking the rules in a way that no one cares about. It's, if you know the rules and exist inside the rules, you will sound like it is because the rules sound better than people who don't exist inside the rules. I mean, yes, and the rules are great for an orchestra. But the jazz rules are not the orchestra rules. No, but also like you're never going to be a famous jazz musician staying playing inside the lines constantly. No, correct. But you're also not going to be the same deal with photography. Like, if you're if you're a perfect rules-oriented photographer, like, you're never gonna sell a picture. Well, you might to, like, catalogs. Okay, but yeah, like, if you want to, well, what you're not making, what you're making at that point is is not necessarily art. Right. But the point is, you are not going to be the greatest orchestra musician if every day when you go into the practice room, instead of doing major, minor, melodic, minor, and harmonic, minor scales, you do blues scales. Right. And you're not gonna be the greatest jazz musician unless you do all of those scales and the blues scales. <laughs> yeah, and you know the modes off by heart and everything, like. Right, unless you can play D Dorian. Right, we were talking about Miles Davis. With So What? Here's what Miles Davis did. He broke the rules, but he didn't, he didn't d- delete the staff. He just went from two chords a measure to one chord every 16 measures. Right. He used two notes. That but he didn't, he didn't break the form. I mean, he broke the form of bebop, but he didn't break the form of you play a chord over measures. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Where he didn't walk in and he was just like, okay, now you can play every note all the time. Right. And it's, it's not chaos. my pal foot foot. Like, it, right. That's breaking the rules the wrong way. Right. And that and, is and, what and that's, your 10th that's your what, grade jazz player does. Right. <sighs> 
You have to know the rules cold. And when I'm when I'm talking to your tenth grade jazz player, I am speaking into the past. I'm speaking to myself. Oh yeah, you were speaking to you. You were not speaking to me. I didn't get it. <laughs> I enjoyed jazz band because I liked the music that we were playing, which was majorly a majority like just fun, upbeat, big band standards, big band standards, and some Maynard Ferguson and Gordon Goodwin. I would say Maynard and Gordon Goodwin are big band standards at this point, right? But like we were also playing like we didn't do a whole lot of Miles Davis or we didn't well, do no, we we did big band, yeah, we did big band, but like big band sort of stopped existing there for a while. Yeah, well, Gordon Goodwin was around, but yeah, that was like Gordon the, Goodwin the was around name. in the '90s. Oh, he still puts out albums. Yeah, but he. He didn't come around till the 90s. Right. Oh, you mean, okay. So like prior I to I mean, that, from like 1950 from, to 1990, it was- There was Maynard Ferguson. Yeah, it was Maynard Ferguson, and there was Charles Mingus and Thelonious Monk and Miles Davis and all these people. We oh, played, was, you know, Cole Porter and Irving Berlin and uh, just some Buddy Rich, man. You know, a lot of Gene Krupa, a lot of- uh, Dancing men. A lot of Glenn Miller, yeah. Oh, we played some good stuff. I love jazz band in high school. And I was ready to go to college and do like music performance, which I didn't sign up for. I did music education and be like, be like a jazz guy. And I didn't like the jazz people at all. So my thing about Terrence Fletcher, like I would never have wanted to study under Terrence Fletcher. No, I wouldn't do it on purpose. If I went to, if I was in the freshman band and they were like, oh, the studio band guy is insane. You're like, the reason you're here is to get into the studio band. And then he came in and was like that. I'd be like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah, I don't want this anymore. He would throw a chair and then I would leave. Right, I'd be like, okay. He's like, are you upset? I'd be like, yes, I am. Thank you yeah, for your I would, time. I've never leaving. wanted to be as good at something. I, I've never wanted to be good at something as badly as Andrew Neiman wants to be good at drums. I've never wanted anything as badly as Andrew Neiman wants to be good at drums. Right, he's sitting there like bleeding on the drum set. <laughs> yeah, I can't push myself that no, hard. No, I can't I either. genuinely can't. Like, this is, this is my litmus test for that, is if I go out for a run, I genuinely, like, I'm sure, I know that my pretty healthy body that I've kept in good shape over the past 27 years could probably run five miles without stopping if I pushed myself. I genuinely cannot run more than 400 meters without being like, all right, time to walk. Yeah. And if I'm I was being chased by a point. bear, I would run. What's that? If I was being chased by a bear, like, I would run like, like Miles Teller plays drums in this movie. I don't know that I would. I think I would get eaten. <laughs> I think pretty quick, I'd be like, bear better than me, I, I so got here. I definitely, and what I definitely didn't get was, I didn't get it when I was, uh, you know, 16. I didn't get it when I was 18, and I was in marching band under Joseph Falvey. You know, I didn't get that guy at all. I didn't understand what he was about. What, working that hard for your music performance? Yeah, I didn't understand it. I didn't, it didn't make sense to me at all. You know, it didn't the make sense The way the music majors would talk about their classes, I'm like, it sounds like you hate it. Stop. Right. <laughs> but like, I didn't get it. I never wanted to be, I never knew what it meant to want to be good at something like that. I've never had that work ethic. Truthfully, I never have. And we I, also, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody because I'm, I'm sure as hell not better than anybody because I'm like that. But that is the truth about me is that I have never understood what Can it you would appreciate be like. that work ethic? What? Can you appreciate that work ethic? Work ethic? Yeah. I mean, until the point where it starts to look insane from the outside. It looks insane from the inside in the case of uh, Andrew Neiman. I, I don't think he's justified in going back to play at the JVC. No, I don't think he is either. I don't think anybody would do that. That is the drama in this movie. And I, and I love the final fight scene. Don't get me wrong. It's great. The like the, the final battle in this movie where... where Yeah, where he's like, I'm going to play the drums. I'm going to play the drums. I'm going to play Caravan and I'm going to impress him. And you get the great shot of, of J.K. Simmons, just like the Gandalf shot from Lord of the Rings. Being like, right. yeah, okay, kid gets it now. Kid gets it. This when he is goes, your... when he says he looks at he looks at Terrence Fletcher in the eyes and says, "I'll cue you." That's because it's his tempo now. I was like, "Oh man, yes, let's go, let's go, Andrew, you win." It's your tempo. It's your tempo. Uh, so J.K. Simmons won a best 
supporting actor for this movie. Yeah, I do, I'm for that. Hundred percent. J.K. Yeah. Simmons kills it here. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I'm sure that it was. I I can't, like I have to imagine what the filming of this movie would be like because Miles Teller really is out there playing drums. Yeah. And even like, so obviously nothing you hear in the film is recorded live because that would be a freaking nightmare. Yeah, no, absolutely not. No way. Um, But in the fun facts on IMDb, about 40% of what you hear is Miles Teller. Yeah. And he's not doing easy stuff. He's not doing impossible stuff, but he's not doing easy stuff. He is definitely pushing the limits of what drummers can learn. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is making me think about what? Travis Barker. Travis Barker. So yeah, nominated for Best Picture, uh, nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, one for Best Supporting Actor, one for Best Film Editing, and one for Best Sound Mixing. Do you think Miles Teller deserved an, an Academy no, Award? No, I here? think Damien Chazelle deserved a nominee, a nomination. No, I would agree. I mean, he, he also he, he got shows. a nomination for for screenplay, but but the 2014 we talked about it a lot with this year's Oscars, and 2014 was another one of those years where like the big dudes came out to play. Who who was nominated in 2014? Your Best Picture nominees were. Hang on, I feel like I have this memorized at this point. I feel like we come back to this year a lot. We do. Because this is Birdman, This is right? Birdman, American Sniper, Boyhood, Grand Budapest, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Theory of Everything is the one I watched with Emily. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Imitation Game is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. I uh, very little remember from that movie. Re- I remember very little from that film. But uh-huh. like you have, a, you have a year here with the Oscars where Christopher Nolan gets no nominations. Did he have a film? Interstellar. Oh. None. Rip. Nomination for score. Did it win? No. Uh, and Alexandre Desplat won for Grand Budapest. That movie's sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Wes Anderson. Like, yeah. it, it's, at any point, you can't, like, you've got, you've got a movie Dogs like Birdman. Okay. Like, obviously, okay. that's, your, that's your best director and your best cinematographer locked up. Done. Yeah. You get one of those every five years. Yeah. Done. And there's another, you've got Richard Linklater, you've got Clint Eastwood, you've got Wes Anderson making movies this year. Like, you came to... You came to bat with this this non biopic in the wrong year. Yes, and Damien Chazelle does. I mean, he he's like he leaves right, and he's like, okay, well, I want to win again anyway. And he writes La La Land. And he yeah, he wins. gets his uh, he gets his best director. Yeah, doesn't get his best picture. Well, he got announced his best picture. He got announced his best picture. <laughs> And uh, Barry Jenkins didn't get a nomination for Best Director for Moonlight. That's garbage. That's garbage. Yeah, if you if you win the Best Picture, you could at least get nominated. Like that is trash. Moonlight was amazing. So is La La Land. So what's wild is this is a movie about jazz drumming, right? Yeah. It is the second best jazz drum score in 2014. What had a better jazz drum score? Birdman. Was that jazz? It's only drums. Really? It's only like inventive jazz drumming. That's it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a wild year for the Oscars, but this is, uh, yeah, J.K. Simmons, Best Supporting Actor, for sure deserves it. Editor deserves it as well. Uh, it's it's always wild to me when you have a movie that's, that wins for Best Editing, but not, again, not nominated for Best Director. How much does how much is the director involved in the editing process? I, I genuinely don't know. Is that like uh, a- I have no idea. It, it sort of depends on the process. That is usually, usually handed off to somebody else. That's how you get director's cuts. Right. That is like handed off to somebody else for a reason. But like Damon Chazelle wrote this and directed it. So it was his original screenplay as well as his movie. So I'm sure he was involved quite a bit. Yeah. Adapted screenplay. Adapted from what? Not original. Adapted from what? It's adapted from the short film Whiplash. Is it? That he also wrote the year prior. That oh. one at Sundance for a short film. Oh. Okay. This film was shot in, I, I want to say, like under 20 days. I believe it. Again, it, there's nothing to this. No. It, it is pretty much a bottle movie. Like, Yeah, it doesn't take place... There's not even like a practice room. There is Miles Teller's apartment where yeah. he has a drum set. That's it. Th- he's got a practice room. 
That's where JK Simmons finds him. First, first he hears him. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but that was the. That wasn't just the practice room. That was the room where the uh, non-principal band played. What would you no, call no, no, no. Because that was his kit. Because he takes oh, it, it. He takes it down when he moves out. Moves out. Yeah. I mean, this is the this is the fictional Schaefer Conservatory. This is one of those places where, like, if you're a, a drummer, if you're one of the five people that let in as drummers, you have your own practice room. Right. Well, that's true at any music school. Like, even our music school had drum rooms. No, but like that is Miles Teller's practice. That is Andrew Neiman's practice room. They advertise that at Berkeley. When we toured Berkeley, that was cool. That's a neato place. Yeah, so this is this place is basically a made up Berkeley College Berkeley music. College music in New, in York. New York. Yeah. Do you, do you know what film outside of the jazz thing, outside of the music thing? Do you know what film this film actually really reminded me of? What film? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, show your work. Okay, so early on in the movie, there are some really clear parallels in terms of like literally the way the shots are framed in New York where like there's this very clear image I have in my mind from Spider-Verse where he is like running across a street and there is I don't even know how to describe it but like you're looking down the city block and you see these two buildings on each side and he runs down the street that's in Spider-Verse as well as in this yeah there's there's also like the whole theme of Spider-Verse is great expectations yeah and like great expectations sort of put on him by nobody right and Peter Parker, Peter B. Parker, is obviously a much nicer teacher than... Uh, than Terrence Fletcher, yeah. Than Terrence Fletcher. But it's also this, like, you need to figure it out, and you need to figure it out now. And if you want it, you want... You gotta work for it. You gotta work for it now. And I think, you know, Miles Morales has a little bit easier time uh, figuring it out. But... Yeah. I don't know. I... Literally, when I was watching it, just literally the way that it was shot was very reminiscent to Spider-Verse for me. Maybe that was just a... No, I could definitely see I where you're coming from. I saw one shot, and I was like, I relate to this moment. I could definitely see where you're coming from. And the part where his uncle dies at the hand of a mobster. Yeah, that was a wild thing to include in this movie. <laughs> just, I mean, like, out of nowhere. When Wilson Fisk busts down the door of the conservatory <laughs> and is like, Andrew Neiman! <laughs> There's that scene where I think this is so telling of, uh, oh, my God, Fletcher's character where he pulls him aside right when he gets into principal band for the first time. And he's like, don't listen to them. Don't worry about all the other players. None of them matter. What matters is that you're here to learn and be the best and have fun. Yeah. And he has this like really positive moment with him. And this actually, I think, gives credence to Fletcher's character more than anything else, because he, it's like telling him, like, what you're about to walk into sucks. And I'm he gives him extru- 20 chances before he snaps. Right. And he's like, I really think you've got what it takes, but I'm going to push you harder than anybody ever has. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to do that, but I am going to tell you that I believe in right. you. Right. It's like, it's the quintessential story of every teacher where they're like, they push certain students harder because they think they can handle it. And they never tell right. them until afterward. And he's like, Ryan Connolly was nothing but an incentive for you. I wish you would have seen that. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, also saying that, like, hey, Andrew, why don't you just chill out for 30 seconds, dog? Like... Because he can't, he has no perspective. He's too far into it. He is too far and into it, that's what it, he sure. needs. That's exactly what he needs, is to blow up and fail. He doesn't need to get hit by a car. He doesn't need to get hit by a car, and he doesn't need to attack the professor. The professor does need to get fired, though. Yeah, well, I, I, yes, yes, but also they add the context afterward, which I don't think is fair. That, when they When they uh, back the end, kid. they're like, oh yeah, by the way, that student actually killed himself. Yeah. It feels like one of those, like, the, the movie's pulling like a gotcha moment on you, where you're like, actually, he is a bad guy. <laughs> no, I actually did see that coming. Uh, cause he gets the phone call and right when, uh, Neiman is like blowing yeah. up on him, he's like, no, no, I knew that that phone call was not a call he wanted to receive. Not a call he wanted to receive. Yeah, for sure. 
And I didn't think it was a car crash. No, especially once Miles got in his, or Andrew got in his car crash. Andrew knew it wasn't a car crash because he wouldn't have, if it, if it was just a car crash, he wouldn't have still gone. You know what I mean? He would have thought that like Fletcher will understand. I think losing your sticks is so unacceptable. You can't show, like I did this all the time, but you cannot show up to your performance without your instrument and expect a second chance. Yeah. I actually got into a car crash on the way to a performance I had a solo in one time. And I told my parents it was a hit and run, but really what it was was a I was hit and then I ran. Jesus. I mean, it wasn't anything serious. It was a fender bender that cost less than $500 to fix. But it was still like I rolled up to a stop sign. A guy rolled up behind me. He hit my car and then I just drove away because it was a concert night and I was wearing that awful, awful outfit. I will tell you this. I freaking hate the clothes they make jazz, the college and high school jazz band players wear. The all black. The reason I hate it is not because I think all black looks bad because I don't think that. I think poorly washed and inexpensive all black looks bad right like when you have a nice black suit with a nice black shirt that looks it great. works but you have to buy you them together a, and never wash them right and when you have a ten dollar jc penny clearance rack black shirt that's got stripes in it it looks terrible especially when it's faded gray because yeah. you don't know how to do laundry and you just throw it in and it's not ironed because you don't know how to iron you were in a freaking practice room right, all and the like time. jazz is always cooler like they have the cool stands for the sax players that yeah big band stands yeah like that's cool Cool, man. That is a cool aesthetic. The whole big band looks cool up there. Like you got the rhythm section over here in the pocket and you get like an actual drum kit and a guy with an upright. Yeah. It's like very cool. And then they look like They idiots. all wear the dumbest outfits. Yeah. The hats. I'm not here for the hats either. Oh, he comes in and hangs up the fedora. Yeah. Oh, I was here for that. I was, J.K. Simmons can wear anything. I mean, that's true. Uh, but most jazz players, you don't need the hats. You solo trumpet guy up on the stage. You got a nice shirt, a real nice shirt. You can wear a hat. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's your band, if if you're Charlie Parker or Duke Ellington or Buddy Rich or Glenn Miller, if you're the featured player, you can do whatever you want. But the, okay, so this is it. The outfit. You can break the rules as long as you prove you know the rules. As long as you prove you know the rules and you earn it. And you earn it. Yep. Otherwise, wear a nice black shirt. Yeah. I don't know why. Ah, why do we have to have this conversation, jazz band? Man. And you know why I have to have this conversation? Because I'm talking to 10th grade Tyler. I know what shirt 10th grade Tyler was wearing, and I'm mad at him for it. <laughs> Because um, Mike would show up and know the rules and Mike was like a good looking guy and he would wear a black shirt and roll up his sleeves and he broke the rules the right way. Yeah. And I never looked that cool. Nope. You wanted to look like Alex Zuber. Alex Zuber does not look cool. Who was a goofy he, dude and knew it. And he was very good at the trumpet. He was very big. He let his playing speak for its damn <laughs> self. Yes. I was not that good until intense study in college. Yeah. Compared to like 10th grade That Alex dude Zuber. is still one of the best student trumpet players i ever met with my eyes yeah 100 percent. that dude had a gift yeah so I, I do want to talk about about education for a minute and the idea that like everybody can be the best here's where i see it tom brady is the best because he's the smartest not everybody can be the best not everybody can play d1 football everybody can play college football right tom brady is the best because i think tom brady is the best because he follows the fundamentals like and and literally nobody else does because his whole book is like eat well and stretch and condition your body right and and you will be good at football and nobody 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 does that everybody listens to usain bolt who's like i'm usain bolt i eat a bunch of chicken nuggets and i run fast right and he's like a freak athlete like right and in the middle middle of this you have lebron james right right dude was built by god to play basketball basketball or tight end (laughs) i mean and that's the thing that's the thing especially with basketball and young kids that play basketball know this better than than especially young white kids because to play basketball 
That is a different sport than the rest of the sports. Like, you have to have a certain physical advantage to play basketball, to play it well, to play the top of the game. Well, this is what's so interesting about young kids playing basketball is even the tall kids. This is the thing about kids. is kids grow. So your ability to shoot a basket is always relative to your height. So if you master shooting a basket when you are four foot six you do not know how to shoot a basket at six at five feet tall no you have to shoot a basket every single day and get better and at get it better every at single it every day single relative day. to your not new and, height and they, somebody will pay you to go to college yeah like you're not going to be big be the, and fat and but if you want to be like the best football. quarterback if you want to be the best quarterback in the world do the tb12 method if you want to be the Straight best in the up. world at anything it's it's, it's malcolm gladwell's ten thousand hours thing man you have to put the work in you have to practice 100 percent. like yes i do believe that the american education system is great because it tells everybody that they can be the best they can be the the top of the class they can do whatever they want if they put the work in but nobody actually tells the kids to put the work in i don't think kids know what the work looks like no i don't think that that our our education system does a good job of telling kids what the work looks like i went into college having no idea what to expect from college had a bunch I of people into- tell me like oh it's totally cool man just go to college and dick around like it's fine you'll figure it out and that's bull it's hard that is absolute bullshit <laughs> College is hard. Music school is hard. Music school is College hard. College is hard. College sucks. Like, at, at, at school. And you have to put the work in. You have to know what you want to do and you have to do it. And nobody's asking you to know what you want to do when you're 18. But, like, they're asking you to figure it out. Put the work in and figure it out. I would love right now to be able to go back to college and get, like, a master's in photography. And, like, learn art from artists. That was the biggest thing that I squandered in college. When I got to college, the class... I think I've talked about this in the show before. The class that I did best in was my English... English 223 class where I studied utopian and dystopian literature from a author of utopian and dystopian literature. And I like I had plenty of classes where I learned jazz from a professional jazz musician or I learned biology from a professional biologist or doctor or whatever. Like this was not uncommon. We had extremely good professors at our school. Yeah, we went to a school that that prioritized having professionals teach. Yes. And we had some professionals who were like genuinely good teachers. But it, it really came down to my work ethic. And that one class, I like, I don't particularly care for dystopian literature. I think The Hunger Games is okay. But that was one class where I was like, I'm just going to do all the reading, do all the work and see what happens. And by the end of it, my teacher was like, nobody has ever put in work into a class the way that you have. And I genuinely think, so this is my Everest, right, Ethan? I, I don't believe that I could write 40,000 words to write a novel. Like, I, I cannot fathom that many words, which is weird. I've written like 30 page papers in a night, but for whatever reason, 40,000 words seems unattainable on a topic I invent. Right. Because even though at every single stage I've had excellent writing skills and poor reading skills, no teacher has ever said to me, you should consider writing for fun. Ever. I had a teacher say that to me. So my Spanish teachers. Yeah, I've never had that conversation. And I've had teachers tell me told me that i've had teachers tell me that they grade my papers harder because they know i'm an excellent writer but they've never told me like nobody has ever been like have you ever considered writing long-form stories no yeah when i was a when i was a freshman in college my uh spanish teacher told me that and you know what i did instead of just writing a book i became a spanish major yeah i listened badly listened badly yes <laughs> but like i would writing bad listening so i i have i have found creative expression through doing photography like i never have with anything else in my life it brings me more joy than all of my other like creative outputs in in like that it activates that part of my brain better than anything else i've done so so far I, and i, I would, ask you I would kill for the opportunity to sit in a class with somebody that is good at what i want to do and ask them questions yeah but when you're in college nine classes out of ten your classmates don't want you to ask questions no and that's what i'm saying is i would love to go back as like as like a master student and get 
an MFA, you know, Masters of Fine Arts in Photography, and like learn how to do art from artists and learn like what makes art good and be able to ask questions about the things that, that make me feel things and find out how that got made. But like I have, I graduated from CNU with like a 2.6 and I don't have the money to go back to grad school, let alone get into grad school. Yeah, I, I don't have the grades It's not, it, it's not reasonable because I f***ed around in college. Yeah. Do I think a grad school would take me because of an essay I wrote? Probably. But I, I mean, probably, I especially if I'm talking about like it. art school. You know, that's that might be a whole different thing. But like, I can't afford to go to the Rhode Island School of Design or Savannah College of Arts. So, Ethan, I want to ask you a question on a personal level. This is a brother-to-brother question. Brother-to-brother, find me I've had this experience recently, but I think you have experienced it on a deeper level. Although, I definitely had this experience two and a half years ago when we started this. How do you wrestle in your mind with the fact that the artistic and creative expression that brings you the most satisfaction isn't music? I could not care less. Really? Yeah. That was like a huge wrestling thing for me because we were in the fraternity that like believed in the power of music. I went to college originally for music. I always felt like I had this natural affinity for music that the more I explore other creative outlets, the more I realize, like, I think I'm just a naturally creative person and I latched onto music at an early age. Yeah, same, 100%. And I, I didn't give myself the credit to explore other creative outlets. Right, and we, so when we started this podcast, I was like, oh, this feels good. Okay, I like doing this. Yeah, this, this like, comedy for other people. Okay, I really like yeah, this. Yeah, and, like, it this never... This is fun. It never... I never felt like, oh, I should be focusing less on this and focusing more on my music. Because, like... No, I, I don't feel that way either. Yeah. I will say the more I do creative things, like I have a guitar hanging up in this room, which I haven't played guitar seriously in 10 years, nine years, eight years, seven years, years. Yeah. But like the more I invest my creative energy in creative writing, in podcasting, in comedy, the more I feel like compelled to pick up my guitar and like remind myself that like I can still play a four chord song. I've still got that skill. It's still there. I do not feel like that, but I, I have like a sort of different you, relationship with music at this point because I like, well, before quarantine, obviously, I was still like fairly actively playing music. You were also like a touring musician. Like, right. And I work with musicians constantly, even when I'm not playing, like when it's not my own band, I'm still, I was still working with musicians all the time. Right. And like, I wouldn't have any idea how to shoot a concert if I'd never played a concert. Yes. And I don't have anything against music. I think that's my fear, though, is that I'm going to... No, God, like, if, I, if the people that are in my band are listening right now going, well, screw this guy, he doesn't care. But that's absolutely not the truth at all. No, it's, it's definitely not the case. Yeah. I just put Drop the Girl CD in my in my computer. I learned I have a disk drive in this nice. computer. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I ordered a frame key. for my CD. No, I opened it up. I opened them all up. Oh, I uh, opened it. I wanted to know what the uh, disc looked like because I took the picture on the disc too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I wanted it in my computer so that anytime I accidentally hit that button, I'd be like, oh, look, it's the Drop the Girl CD. <laughs> um, so no, I absolutely am not sitting here like... Um, I'm not over music, but I do think I might have latched on to the wrong creative skill. Well, like, and that was the thing is, is creative writing isn't a thing they teach you in high school. No. That wasn't an option. No, they teach you essay writing. They teach you nonfiction. Right. That wasn't an option, man. Like, I couldn't... Um, I could say music is an elective. I could take band as an elective. I couldn't take creative writing. I At least not take, at our school. I could. I probably could have taken photography, I think. Yeah, we had a photography class. I was not interested, though. But, and, and, like, our school our school system was definitely like, oh, if you want to do the, the creative stuff, you have to, like, go to Burton. Which is a, a technical school. Like, a 20-minute drive away. Or what felt like a 20-minute right, drive. Right. It was just, like, that was not something I was willing to explore. No. That was... Because they didn't make it clear that, like, it was either, like, for the incredibly smart kids that took calculus and fresh year or the kids that were like training to be masons and there's not, nothing wrong with either of those but i didn't want to be a mason and i wasn't smart enough to take calculus my freshman year no and i also wasn't a beautician or a dancer 
Which were the other two, like, big ones. Right. I didn't want to do any of the trades we they had, had there, sorry. and I wasn't smart enough to get into the programs they had there. I didn't realize that you could just go, like, do... Like, I could have gone there and done, like, darkroom photography. Yeah. And that wasn't something have. I was even interested in back then, but... Do you think if you learned darkroom photography at 16, you would be... I think if I had ever taken a professional or a a class in it before I was 25, I would hate it. Yeah. Hate it. I think at a certain age, you accept, you swallow your pride. Yeah. You accept, I'm bad at this thing and I want to get better. Because that also was a big problem with me for music. Like I couldn't practice because I was already good enough right and like i can't stop watching like youtube videos and taking online classes and learning how to get better at this thing but like i can't ask those people questions i can't you know get them to review my work no you can't i can't send you know peter mccann a picture and be like hey is this good or not right and and that's true like if you send ethan and i a dm on podcasting we will almost definitely get back to you but if you send me your hour-long show to review i will not listen to it yeah i'm just telling you right now i will tell you what microphones to buy i will tell you don't worry about ums i will tell you like consistency is key right i will not listen and i'll to give you whatever advice podcast. you need to hear to get your first episode made yeah i will tell you truncate silence on audacity yeah i'll tell you all will, kinds of things <laughs> i'll tell you all kinds of things um Lower i don't sensitivity. i don't have the time or or energy to, to listen to every show that somebody sends me. I I, no, I curate the content I listen to specifically to to better me as a musician, as a pod- podcaster, and as a photographer. If you book me as a guest on your podcast, oh, yeah, I would absolutely probably different. listen to Completely at least different. an episode. Yeah. Different. And it's nothing against anybody that makes these. That's because that's that all that sounds super privileged. Like, oh, we're the big top podcasters. Not listen to anybody we're else's not. podcast. We're not at all. <laughs> I just, I, I, I. Bro, I don't even listen to Tyler's other podcast. I don't listen I to I love the, that guy. He's my best friend. He's the guy I'm making this podcast with right now. And Bagels, I've been on it. It's a phenomenal show. I edited it. They have great chemistry together. They're one of my favorite married couples that I know in the world. I just don't, I don't listen to Late to the Party. It and doesn't I it doesn't DM. Yeah, I don't have time. <laughs> I I've gotten it's cause I will listen to Late to the Party. I've I'm excited to listen to it. Uh but the reason is like I, I create so many things that when I I am currently in a season of my life that when I go to consume a media, I almost always seek the familiar. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree with that to certain extents. Um, a lot of my podcast listening has been put a thing down for three months, four months, six months. Uh, try to pick it back up, realize that I am woefully behind, do not remember what has happened, have to restart. Yeah. So like, that's me with Taz all the time. So I'll put Taz down for three months and not listen to the new episodes and be like, I don't have a clue what happened. What's a fear bulge? What's a fear bulge? <laughs> it's the same I, as like, uh, I'll try to go listen to new Night Vale and I'm like so far behind. And yeah. the story doesn't even necessarily matter, but they, they're talking about characters that I don't know. And I'm like, well, right. I might as well start it, start at episode one. Yes. And I have no and problem about- doing that. I, I, at some point I stopped at some point. I just started telling myself like, dude, just listen, listen, to whatever you want, watch whatever movies you want, watch whatever TV you want. Screw what anybody else thinks. Just do, do it. Just do the thing that makes you happy. And I like, I will say venturing outside of my creative comfort zone in terms of consuming media is almost always a fruitful experience. Case in point, this week I watched Whiplash for the first time and I genuinely think Oh, right. Think yeah, I let's talk a, about that. You've never seen this movie. And like, I was a music school attendee and my dream was the Berklee College of Music. Like, I didn't make it to an audition at Berklee College of Music. Not that like I was late for it. Like, I didn't make it to that stage. Yeah, me either. I'm not surprised in the slightest. Same. I was a bad trumpet player. I was a bad guitarist. <laughs> my teacher, but, uh, uh, my guitar teacher at Kelly's Music went to the Berklee College of Music. And he helped me, like, prepare an audition. And I did not do well. No? Nope. I don't think so. They never... I didn't, I did. I got denied for an in-person interview. I didn't make it that far. Uh, but I made it into every other music school I applied to except James Madison. I mean, and I, I, know I, had a, I didn't I had get a into James Madison. Direct recommendation from 
a an educator who was a graduate. So like, I don't think that hurt. No, probably not. Yeah. Uh, and that was how I got in at Elon. I went in and the, the guy who taught me trumpet learned at Elon. Yeah. From the same professor. Yeah. Um, so I like, I went in and I was like, can you tell me stories about Brian? And he was like, I'll be honest with you. Brian worked hard. <laughs> he wasn't really a, he's a no nonsense kind of guy. And I was like, yeah, I got that vibe. Yeah. He was a very good <laughs> trumpet player. <laughs> he was extremely, he's extremely good. good trumpet player. Yeah. hundred percent. That dude uh, told the story of like listening to Ronald Rom, the Canadian brass and being like, I want my trumpet playing to sound like that. And you know what? He did it. He succeeded. He exactly like that. And he and was he always the wedding. guy. He was always the guy that like you could tell that he was, you know, he, he reminded me a lot of the like the athlete that never quite made it. You know, I disagree. I think he made it. Yeah, but he was never famous. He was never Miles Davis. He never got to play with like jazz at Lincoln Center. I don't think he doesn't know I Marsalis. Think, I don't think our high school band director is Coach Tucker. No, I don't think he's Coach Tucker, but I, I think that it's this it's a similar kind of story where like Brian Quagenbush, I think, always thought he was beyond K-Spring High School. He's so good. And I mean, tr- truthfully, he he was wasted as a high school educator. Well, he wasn't an educator. He was a he's a performer. He's like a studio musician. Yeah, he was a performer who, who took a job. But he could have taught a, a lot educator. of people a lot of things in a college setting. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. But he didn't have the credentials. Yeah, credentials is a dumb thing. I would agree. I think anybody that heard him play would be like, you are you are good. I've been recently, and this is the dumbest thing, I've been recently looking at, like, you know, entering into, like, photo gallery competitions and stuff like that, and they're, like, only accepting submissions from BFA and MFAs. Really? Yeah, and it's like, this is so dumb. The same with, like, publications and everything, and, like, you know, if you're, uh... You know, they, they don't want to, nobody wants to see the work you put in. They don't want to see, like, if you can do the thing, they want to see a degree that says you can do the thing. And I get it, but it's like... Well, yeah, they don't, I mean, like, this isn't the same, but they don't want you to say, I know how to fix a faucet. They want to see that you're a certified plumber, even if you know how to fix a faucet, because who doesn't? I think there's a big difference there between that and, because, like, I can go, I can go learn to be a plumber right now. You go learn to be a, you can go get your BFA right now. I could, but yeah. th- those doors are, I would, I would have, I would be better accepted in trade school as a 27 year old man that wants to become a plumber or an electrician than I would as a 21 27 year old student becoming a college freshman again to get my BFA yeah they, at least at our college there was definitely they oh, would our say college is a no wages. a no BS kind of thing it's like you you went from 18 to 22 and you got the hell out yeah because I remember you'd have one or two students in your large classes who were commuter part-time older but considerably and the university treated them like dirt yeah yeah they were treated like absolute garbage uh but they would always ask smart questions and this was the thing like i remember in college i would always say if i could go back and tell myself something from high school it would be to you know practice more or or do the reading or whatever if i could go back and smack me from college i would tell them to pay attention and ask questions in class don't ever open twitter in class yeah seriously jesus christ the wasted (laughs) opportunities this the people the amount of doctorates i sat in rooms with and didn't listen extremely intelligent people who just wanted me to engage and ask questions yeah like part of my grade would be how many any questions did you ask in class? I took a a Latin American, and granted, I did ask this dude a lot of questions because I was a senior and I thought it was interesting. But I took a Latin American theater class, and our professor we had like a like a um a two week residency from a Costa Rican playwright who was exiled from Costa Rica because his play pissed off the government. That's such good stuff. It was so you need more f- of that. <laughs>
cool, man. It was the coolest dude I've ever met in my life. And you didn't ask him any questions. Oh, I asked him plenty of questions. I finally got did it by open? then. But I was like, how many of those opportunities did I waste? Oh, yeah. My my department had every other year you could hike the Camino in Spain. And I didn't even like inquire about it. I wasn't in your department. I don't know why I didn't do that. <laughs> And every year you could hike 14 days on the Appalachian Trail. I didn't even inquire about the trip. I can't. I, I didn't study abroad. I was a f- Spanish major and I did not <laughs> study abroad because I was worried that I was going to miss opportunities in the executive board of our fraternity. Yeah. I don't regret a lot of things, Tyler. I don't really believe in regret just as an institution. I think it's a waste of time for the most part. Yeah. I regret that. Yeah. I was far too concerned when i go back and think about like like the people that i was in class with i talked to like emma oliver about the time she spent in in morocco and i'm like that was probably pretty cool yeah and i was here in america being stupid i mean we had fun no doubt about that as much fun as you could have in amsterdam we had in our in our right right right. but i didn't i I didn't miss there was nothing i would have missed no thought too small man let me ask you this question do you put our fraternity on your resume? No. And have you ever? I have, yeah. I wouldn't anymore. Do you know why? I don't know. Our fraternity Any- had a binary result. To Greek people who knew what it was, it was the lame fraternity. And to people who don't know anything about Greek life, it was a fraternity and they didn't like that. I had a long, hard conversation with the fraternity this week. Uh, about, the, fraternity? about the fraternity this week, yeah. With whom? With Andrew Scott Bell. Oh, Andrew, I love Andrew Scott Bell. That fraternity treated him like garbage for no reason yeah i went to his senior performance i was i was blown away he texted me the other day because we we got on a topic about something because some dude was dragging his name on facebook for some reason um and he was like hey man i just wanted to thank you for like you and tyler were some of the only people that actually came up to me and were like i really enjoyed your recital and i was like andy i think about your recital every day yeah all, all, all the, time. the time, constantly. When I think about like, I think about the art I make and, and there's several people that I think about and I'm like, would, would this thing I did make Andrew Scott Bell proud? Yeah. Who are my artistic influences? And Andrew Scott Bell is on that Oh, list. absolutely. When, when the opportunity came up for us to like get a theme music made by this dude, it was a no brainer. Yeah. And I would do it again. I would, I would go back to him and be like, we want a new theme. I don't want a new theme for Megan X. I love our theme. I love Why our theme. change it? But if we say we were to take Ragnarok, our current bonus show, and after like, you know, two seasons of it, we were like, man, we're just going to make this a podcast now. We're going to have to figure something else out for the Big and Eggs bonus show. I would commission music from uh, Andrew Scott Bell. Yeah, no, we had a long, hard conversation about that. And about basically, I was like, Andy, I, you know, I'm sorry that the, the fraternity did what it did to you, but you do not need them. No, no. Andrew Scott Bell has succeeded in a way that... Andrew Scott Bell has, brought, has brought American music to the ideas of people, to, the, 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 to people's brains that nobody else in our chapter has ever done. Correct. With a reach that... Yeah. Yeah. It, and we've had some really fantastic brothers out of our chapter. Oh, absolutely. I don't regret my time in the fraternity at all. Uh, I just, I, I think that I made some dumb decisions, like not studying abroad. I made plenty of dumb decisions in college. And that is that is the realism of going to college when you're 18 to 22, is that everybody in college is dumb. Yes, you make dumb choices. It is the wrong ages to go to college, but there's just no better way to do it. Correct. And it's also like, I think that's it, part of the point, is that you go and you make bad choices. I think very few people do it quote unquote right. And I think the right way is to go and make dumb choices. Yeah. I don't mean like go and try heroin. No, do not I mean, try go heroin. and fail a class and mess some things up and have problems and, and figure out what you want to do. But, and, and the thing is, is almost everybody I went to college with, well, no, I'm not even going to say that because most of them went to work for Aerotech and Fedbid um, and Geico. It's, <laughs> and Enterprise. Uh, yeah. Enterprise, which is fine. It's just, they're just jobs. I, I'm not doing what I went to college for by any means. Well, I, I, Maybe I am. I, I do sales. I mean, is, I don't, I, I don't think that anybody 
and and this the realism is that like not everybody here there's how we got here it's not everybody can be the best and not everybody's going to be miles davis somebody has to do the jobs somebody has to play trumpet too correct somebody else has to sell cars somebody else has to rent cars somebody has to bid on federal contracts for staplers i don't know what fed bid does i know that they were at every career day and like came into my business classes i know yeah i know the fed bid is a a, at least from my understanding, a good company. I don't want to say like go work for Fedbid and then find out that they're like. I think a, they only hire senior grads, so good luck. <laughs> Some black well, market deal that. that Paul Triple got for us. Um, I don't go know. Seeing you, I don't. I don't want to sit around and say like, oh, I want to change any aspect of my life because I don't. I'm happy. I'm happy today. I am also happy. I am today. only talking about the future, and like I would love to have the chances that 22 year old Ethan had to oh, ask this conversation about this art. I think this is an important thing to, to, to note about this conversation as well, is that this is a this is a conversation like Andrew Neiman knows that he only wants one bucket in his life, and that bucket is career in creative field. Yeah. Like, yeah, College Tyler made a bunch of dumb choices in terms of what classes to take and what classes to go to and what to study for and what not to study for. But even but Andrew Neiman Tyler, realizes that that's dumb because he calls the girl back. Right. And College Tyler like could not have fathomed how much he loves being a father. Right. So like when they say when you go to college make sure you know what you want to do. I knew at that stage that I wanted to be a dad but I would do pretty much any crappy job that supported my family if it meant I got to be a dad. Yeah for sure. There's nothing wrong with that. That is an No I know. Yeah. That's but incredible. I couldn't have known that I would be okay with that at that age. And I, I don't have a crappy job. I like my job. Well, and I don't think you should know that and be okay with that at 18. I mean, if you have kids at 18, you should. But <laughs> Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't think people should have kids at 18. <laughs> I know what <laughs> happens. They do. <laughs> I don't think it is yeah. aspirable. <laughs> Right. You know what? Fine. Uh, if you want to, if you want to marry the girl you met when you were seventeen, you guys want to have kids together when you're eighteen, and you know you want to go do whatever. Like there are so many people that'll be happier doing that than I will ever be. Like God, I would love to for for five days. I would love to be somebody that doesn't have the kind of aspirations that I have. What to just not care? Not even to not care, but just to like be satisfied to be complacent because like i'm the oh, guy that, i'm the guy that. that wants to be the best guy in the room and everything but i don't want to work for it right i had that problem this weekend it was uh sunday it was a three-day weekend sunday rolled around our house was already clean and i couldn't like make food for the following day which was memorial day like the day where you have food you would prepare i literally like i didn't know what to do with myself i genuinely didn't i drew maps Right, like I make all these podcasts. I don't make them for no reason. I, want, I wouldn't make a. I want this would to you be make, my job. Would you make a podcast nobody listened to? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I would stop making it. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, I need to let's reassess. How do I get an audience? Yeah, I would. I would stop making it. I'd do something different. I would not be complacent with it. Yeah, being in your twenties is weird. Do we have wisdom or are we still super dumb? Like, am I going to listen to this conversation when I'm 37 and be like, 27 year old Tyler was an idiot? Really depends on where the next 10 years of your life goes. The thing. Yeah. You yeah, know, you can never quite figure out. I don't know. I, I, I've had so many things about my life change in the last 24 months. So many things. I think we do have a hard time realizing how quick things change when we're adults. Like I, I don't. Ago. At this point in my life, I do not have a hard time realizing how quickly things change. Because 24, two, two years ago, May 2018, I still lived in Newport News. I worked at State Farm and I had a father. Yeah, and you have none of those things now. I have none of those things now. So like, yeah. I didn't have a child then. You didn't have a child then. You weren't even, you were still like waiting. Yeah, we would get pregnant six months later. Yeah, it wasn't even uh, a conversation then. You guys were just like, we're not, I mean, like we would love to, but we're not ready. We had been married for six months at that point. Yeah. Ten years from now, I will have more children. 
is will be yeah. the conversation. Thirty-seven-year-old Tyler has twenty. Thirty-seven-year-old Tyler will tell twenty-seven-year-old Tyler, "You have no idea how much a part of the of your life those kids became." Because like, yeah, Olivia consumes my whole brain space, but Child's two plus will like in ways I cannot fathom consume my whole brain space. Right, because you've never been a you've only been a father of one. You've never been a father of two, let alone three. Only been a father of one that like can't talk to me. Right, uh, you, you've you've been <laughs> a father of one for less than a year. Right, who like isn't on the soccer team. Right, isn't on. Whatever it is. Your baby does baby things. Right. And you've spent every, pretty much every minute of the last two and a half months with her. Yeah. I love the baby. This has been like a, this has been like a deeper conversation than we normally have. But I will say this about That was not my intention with this episode. I legitimately just wanted to watch this movie because I got it in my head a month ago. I was like, I haven't seen Whiplash in six years. I bet it's dope. This is the first, I I guess I'm going to say this, but uh, this has made it into my favorite films. There you go. Somebody just got a bingo check right there. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, I would agree actually. But like this is, Uh, this is a, this would be a top 10 for me because I learned watching this last night. I had like an experience. Like I learned a lot about myself and the way I think watching this. This, this is interesting to me. I, I think I might even enjoy more. This is such a hard matchup in my mind. It's like, what's better, an Italian sub or a, or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Like, I just love both of them so much. Right. Although I think this is probably like more of an Italian sub and like a pastrami sub. Maybe not pastrami. I don't like pastrami. You know what I'm trying to say, though. Apples and oranges. When it comes to this and the social network, I was surprised how much I liked the social network because I felt like Mark Zuckerberg thinks in some way the way that I, I thought at, at Zuck's age. I mean, I obviously wasn't thinking about coding and I was not nearly as smart or as clever, but that like validated that like, oh yeah, you could be a douchebag right. at 19 right. and still provide value to the world. I relate to Andrew Neiman more than I related to Mark Zuckerberg. Same. Legitimately, last night, I had the thought, watching this movie, as a 27-year-old person, I was like, there are photographers out there who I would let throw a chair at me, voluntarily. Yeah. Like, I would put myself in that class. But you didn't level the shot! And this is the thing, is like, I. Th- this is kind of where I was getting at, is like, I don't think Terrence Fletcher's entirely wrong. I think that Terrence Fletcher should be honest about the fact that he's probably gonna throw a chair at you, or a symbol, or something, when you're in his class. Like, this is not for the faint of heart. I don't think anybody should be able to walk into that class unwittingly. Right, like, what if, what if a studio jazz band was but when he, so the thing Navy he really, SEAL training? The thing he really said to me, that that stuck with me and I don't know if it's the message I'm supposed to get from this the thing he said was Charlie Parker the next Charlie Parker would not get discouraged yes the next Charlie Parker would want to have a chair thrown would, would want, want to have to a chair thrown this yeah and it's like I, I've, I've taken just online classes that I paid 40 50 bucks for from like master classes that uh, yeah I would let some of those dudes and and some of those women I would let Andy Leibovitz throw a chair at me for sure 100% if I could learn to do what she does and I've actually felt this way in my life that like, like this is why I liked CrossFit is because it's like this uplifting community, but you go in and if they say 10 reps of 75% your max weight, you do 10 reps, period. And you will drill, sar- you will get drill sergeanted until you do. Yeah. And and like that type of teaching, I think does provide a certain amount of value. I don't think it's for everybody. It has a place though. Like it has a place. Yeah. I mean, like Navy SEALs exist. Yeah. I mean, boot camp, army boot camp will get you in shape. David Goggins will get you in shape. Yeah, you can. So when I talked to you about this movie going into it, you compared Terrence Fletcher to David Goggins. Yeah, Fletcher is Goggins. Nah, David Goggins is soft compared to Terrence Fletcher. That's true. Because Goggins wants you 
like, Goggins understands. Yeah. That's also the thing is, is to some extent, Terrence Fletcher wants you to be the next Charlie Parker so that he can have taught the next Charlie Parker. And that is truly, I think, what's wrong with that person. Not because he right. doesn't teach a new Charlie Parker because he wants to see more Charlie Parkers in the world. He wants the accolade of having taught the next Charlie Parker. Yes. Which, y'all, if you haven't listened to Charlie Parker, just, dude's incredible. Dude was incredible. I mean, all the musicians that we've talked about are, but that is the musician that was specifically referenced many times in this. You know, not Buddy Rich, the guy that, that he's clearly trying to be. We talk about Charlie Parker, the saxophone player. Yeah, but Buddy Rich is is so good. Yeah. Oh, I love Buddy. I'm, in fact, I'm going to listen to some Buddy Rich right now. I've been listening to jazz this whole conversation. If you don't know what Buddy Rich is, though, like, to... if you don't get, you you can go into Charlie Parker jazz and listen to it and understand that that man can play the hell out of a saxophone. If you don't understand music and jazz music, you're going to listen to Buddy Rich and be like, this is nonsense. It is nonsense because it's drums. Drums takes a certain understanding that I don't think everybody has. All right. Drums doesn't have notes. Right. So it's like. There's no melody. Right. It is. It is interesting percussive noise. Right. And it's like, I, I, I love Christian Allen to death. I have a conversation once every other month or maybe once a month with that dude where we'll talk on the phone for four hours, just about life, about the world, about creativity. I respect that dude's input. His percussion recital, my senior or his senior year was nonsense to me. I did not get it. No, but when, when you go see him perform Monster Stomp, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But like him standing up there and playing a solo for timpani, I didn't get. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah. Etude for timpani. No, no idea. But somebody gets it. But somebody gets it. He got it. Right. Oh, he is trying to be Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich was the one that did this. That did the, the, the long, crazy solo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Buddy Rich was... It, and it was just nonsense. Yeah. Oh, man. And here's the thing about Whiplash. The song is... Andrew Neiman should have been able to play that off the off the cuff. You think so? Like, the thing that he is doing, the little groove there that he couldn't get, that, that Fletcher started and stopped 40 million times. Like, if he deserved to be in that room, he'd have been able to play that. That's not on Whiplash. That's on Caravan. No, that was Whiplash. The first thing they play. I didn't... I had never heard the song Whiplash until I saw this movie. I didn't know it existed. I didn't either. I've listened to it since then. It is Hank Levy, or Levi. L-E-V-Y. Levy. That's a sweet track. What is? Whiplash. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's not, like, it's a cool groove, oh, it's, but it's uh, not incredibly hard, I wouldn't think. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I used to play the drums. I was never a good drummer. But like, I, I think that if I was a, if I got into the world's best conservatory to play drums, to play jazz drums, I feel like that would not be that hard. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to go to the world's greatest conservatory for jazz drums. How do they how do they upgrade Whiplash to be more challenging? I mean, I don't either. It just it's not that crazy of a groove that he shouldn't have been able to do it. That's like the definition of being in the pocket is playing a groove like that. I just want to share this with you because I've been I've had Spotify running this whole time just trying to get myself in that jazz mood as we chat. Yeah. And Mary Wynn Lawrence, uh, the pop most popular girl we went to high school with, has been listening to the PJ Masks theme song for two hours now. The what? <laughs> The PJ Masks theme song. It's like a, just a kid's show oh, that I'm yeah, certain she's got kids. children watch. Yeah. I just wanted you to know that. <laughs> what I love is watching people who like friends of mine that are like daycare teachers and like preschool teachers and stuff. They'll post their Spotify wrapped at the end of the year. And it's like you listen to two. <laughs> You know, 150 hours of, <laughs> of Hamilton, Hamilton lullabies. lullabies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the people there, like, there was one dude I saw that was literally like, I hate Spotify. And it was like, you listen to 600 hours of fan noise. <laughs> <laughs> was like, your number one track was Box Fan. <laughs> and like, bro, if you're listening to fan noise on Spotify, just go buy a fan. Uh, right. It is cheaper than the $15 it's, a month. Yeah, it's cheaper than $10 Spotify. a month for Spotify. That fan will pay for itself in two months yeah we have a box fan in our room and i uh, i do not like it i love the noise it knocks me right out um but it is cold it's so cold we have a ceiling fan in our bedroom and sleep with it on almost every night 
It's dope. <laughs> we have a ceiling fan also. We run the ceiling fan and the box fan at the same time. Nothing in the world gets hotter than your guest room. Nothing in the world gets hotter than my guest room. That's true. God. My bedroom stays pretty cool because there's no there's only one window and it's like blocked. Yeah. Uh, but I still... Uh, Olivia's room gets hot. We have a little temperature gauge on the... Or like a thermometer on the baby monitor, which is pretty high in the room. So like the heat has risen. And we'll look at it. It'll be like 80 degrees in there. And I'll be like, oh, poor baby. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> Hope you're okay. Nothing better than sleeping in a cold room with a bunch of blankets. Uh, I, I can only be so cold. My problem is when I get out of bed, if I remove the blankets and I'm cold, I like I like want to scream. Yeah, I I, I've been having a major problem recently because we like knocked the air down in our apartment by one degree because Kate was getting hot. Yeah. And now I like wake up. And I'm like, it is cold in here. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm not getting out of bed. I refuse no to get, to out, get of bed. out of bed. Yeah. The only reason I get out is because Stella will just stand on me and be like, wow. Yeah, I don't have a dog. I don't have a kid. Uh, I don't have a regular <laughs> job. There's nothing making me get out of bed. And I don't get out of bed. And I hate myself when I'm editing late to the party at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> hate myself for it. Well, I wake up at 630 every day to a dog telling me it's time to eat and a baby telling me it's time to change your diaper. And, yeah, well, uh, I've I've I have not dog sat for Olivia. I have dog sat for your dogs, though. <laughs> Yeah, there's no dog sitting for Olivia. She's yeah. just a person. Yeah. That's just babysitting. Yeah. And yeah, once my dogs are up, they're like, it's time to get up. There's no discussing this. Oh, yeah. There's uh, Sawyer and I have had a lot of conversation about, <laughs> hey, Sawyer, it is 5.45 a.m. I'm going to let you out, bud. We're going to go outside. We're going to stand in the yard, and then I'm going to take a nap on the couch. Yep. And if you Every wake day. me up... I will throw you outside, <laughs> which he doesn't. He's very good. He sleeps on my chest. Take a little nap. Yep. Yep. All right. It's uh, it's rap time. It's good. It's big board time. I mean, you already said it, though. Number one. You said, I like this better than the social network. So where can I it think go? I'd, I'd, over the social network. I, uh, I don't I have any problem with that. I, I absolutely loved this movie. I guarantee you. And here's the thing. I definitely like, like, I can have a conversation between this and the social network. I definitely like this more than Parasite. Here's the, yeah. Uh, it's not better than Parasite, though. Maybe not objectively. But yeah, I no, like, it, like it it's, not, it's not better. I like it more. Here's, the, here's my problem. This is why I don't like to revisit the top 10 list ever. Like, my personal top 10 10 list because i guarantee you if i watch this and birdman back to back i'll like this better at this point really probably i don't know if i would like birdman as much i maybe i'll relate to it more now that i'm older but i, I don't feel know i have like... not seen it in forever i refuse to rewatch it just in case <laughs> what if it sucks you know last week we talked with scott i love creating things with scott nice wonder same i just wanted to put that dude out has got his head in the zone all the time constantly the yeah. amount of 1 a.m text message i've gotten the other day he, he texted me and he goes, hey, this is going to be really um, out of pocket, and I feel like you're probably going to be kind of upset, but I feel like the the pauses between things I said in Late to the Party episode 10 between this timestamp and this timestamp could be a little bit more spaced out just for like a little bit of a dramatic pause. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'll... I, I, what is the least sarcastic possible way to say I'll get right on it like I will 100% get right on it it's one o'clock in the morning I will do it tomorrow but I will do it you're right and he's like I mean you're the podcast editor here like I don't want to challenge you and I'm like Scott I edit that show for six hours by the time I get to the end of the show it sounds like noise they're not words oh, anymore yeah. I don't hear dramatic pauses I hear roll 20 I knew it was coming I knew it was coming so we have done 34 movies Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed comes in at 32. Whiplash lands at number one. Yeah. Which, do you know what that pushes out of the top five? Knives Out. Klaus. Klaus, oof. 
This is the current top five. That's okay. I'm okay with that. It's a Christmas movie. Whiplash, some level, Social Network, Parasite, Star Wars 9, Knives Out. On some level, um, God, that's a great top five. I know. If somebody approached me and they were like, these are my five favorite movies, I'd be like, that's your favorite Star Wars film? Weird, but okay. But okay. I almost feel <laughs> I'll, like I'll, I almost feel like I'll allow it. Here's the thing, and I, you're going to hate this. I almost feel like if there's something else that's going to drop out of the top five, it's going to have to be Star Wars. I, I agree with you, which I'm not excited about. Um, because like I, I I truthfully think that to get one of those out of the top five, I think Star Wars is just gonna have to take the L. Well, it's also not a standalone, right? Like you can't just watch Star Wars. Correct, correct. That is true. Um, it's also not the best Star Wars movie. Correct. My so it is so just like we talk it, about Jumanji: The Next Level, uh, my stake on Star Wars drops all the time because it is the one I have the least desire to watch right now. It is the Star Wars you have least desire to watch, or it's yeah, the yeah. Film. The, the, out of the so out of the the sequels, 11. it is the one I have the the least desire to watch right now. I would say, like, if you tell me right now, go comes, pick a Star Wars movie. I'm gonna go for seven or eight before I go for nine. Nine out of ten times, I would watch. I would watch nine right now only because I've only seen it the one time, and I know I've seen the other two at least three times. Uh, but that would be like the only reason why. Yeah, but I, I I don't think that's an invalid criticism. I don't know. It's just mean? not. It's not like the gold doesn't call to me right now. I watched uh, Pirates Two: Dead Man's Chest the other day. That's a flawed film. Yeah, been saying that I since it, it came wasn't. out. Oh, I, I have too. Uh, I just wasn't sure if I revisited it. There's, there's a scene right at the beginning. It's beautifully shot uh, of like Will and Elizabeth's wedding, and it's like dark and it's it's really really good. And uh, they're like getting arrested, and like the scene is just great. And then literally the rest of the movie sucks. Yeah. And uh, Jack goes to like a deserted island and. Then they made me that chief. Yeah. And it's like, it's just nonsense. It's a side plot. What are you doing? Right. This is pointless. Um, not enough Cutler Beckett. Cutler Beckett's good. Norrington's not like in it at all. I didn't finish it, so I don't know if he shows up, but. Norrington, I don't think comes back until three when he's like washed up. Yeah. But. um. So that's our big board. And. Yeah. And here's the, here's the real thing is, again, I'm not saying we, we move Star Wars right now because like, I don't know that it's going to come up again soon but like we're doing so all of next month we're doing pride films so if there's a movie we have some guests who may not because they're against pride just we've had films picked for a while so they may we may move things around a little bit uh but our plan is to do four films of either about or by right we've had a million people ask for the invitation game so we'll do another 2014 oscar movie that's not a lgbt yeah it is is it oh i did not know that oh yeah 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 that's why nobody listened to alan turing because he was gay like before it was cool to be gay like way before right wasn't in vogue yeah yeah that's why i brought it up sorry i thought you got you followed that yeah that was one that people were like hey you should do this in june okay yeah then i'm down for that um, as well as we got some yeah, pretty cool any, guests coming up. Yeah. So next week we have, as long as everything goes to plan next week, we have uh Christian blogger and it, l- let me find his Twitter bio. Cause it's, I imagine very good. Is it better than Mark Gaddis, the writer of, uh, the guy who plays Mycroft Holmes? I don't know. What's his Twitter bio? Actor, period. Writer, period. Strangler, period. Probably not. That's it. Good. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin Garcia is a, uh, digital pastor, creative healer, intuitive soul coach, public theologian, uh, a woo-woo, vibey-ass bitch, and an author of Bad Theology Kills, hashtag faithfully LGBT. Uh, so Kevin will be coming on the show next week. He's a friend of ours from college. Uh, he's a very... Definitely he, one of those people where when I I think about making art, I want to make art that makes Kevin Garcia proud. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, and then when I think about... Uh, and then the following week, we have Adel Rafai joining us from uh, Hey Riddle Riddle and Hello from the Magic Tavern. I'm very excited about that. And uh, we're going to have to pick a movie for that. So I don't know. I don't know what's next week or the following week, but I know that we are doing Pride stuff. So send us your ideas for your favorite Pride movies that we have not covered. There should be more of this. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how do we wrap the show, Ethan? Because I forgot. Um, do we have any little shout outs or big shout outs? Uh, I'm sure I can find a little shout out. I don't have a large shout out, though. 
Let's uh, I'll find the the little shout out theme music from last week. Did you little shout out theme music? No, Scott and I did like a fake little shout out song. Oh, <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I did not know that. I forgot. You know what I wish I did? I wish I listened to this show. I do listen to this show because I edit it. <laughs> yes. Uh, last week, this was uh, early last week. Maybe early last week. I don't know when this was. This was last Thursday. I asked people about their favorite film. Or I'm sorry, their favorite scene with rain. Uh, and oh, that was a good one. You and good I commented question. a a lot. You and I commented a whole lot. And then uh, Claire uh, shared an image from Singing in the Rain. Uh Sarah Hanks shared an image from The Notebook. Uh, Erica Evans shared a scene from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, which I think counts. Uh, Hans Kolkman shared Turk's Fruit or Turkish Delight, which I've never seen, but this scene in the rain looks really cool. People drinking wine in the rain. And then Jeremy Jones went above and beyond and shared a scene from Holes, which is just the best yeah, scene. Yeah, that dude gets the dub, like 100%. Yeah, that's the one that victory. wins. Yeah. Once upon a time, 110%. there was a magical place where it never rained. The end. Uh, Ethan, how do you feel next week about Call Me By Your Name? Uh, yeah. Timothy E. Chalamet. They just hired the person that wrote that to, um, or maybe directed, to write the new Scarface movie. Luca Gualdinino. Gualdinino? I don't know how to pronounce that name. I don't either. But that's everything I've got for small shout-outs. Cool. We're doing Call Me By Your Name with Kevin Garcia next week. Uh, and what else, Ethan? How else do we close out this we show? We tell everybody that the graphics are by Vaishon Brandon, graphite.vmb on Instagram. Go get some graphics, mm. as well as Andrew Scott Bell writes our music, and he is Andrew Scott Bell Music. No, Andrew Scott Bell Music on Twitter and Instagram, andrewscottbell.com, and go... Find his like page on Facebook and love everything he does. He's got some cool music scores coming out right now for movies, usually horror movies, that I'm scared to watch. I'm too scared to watch, but I will appreciate his scores. Um, additionally, yeah, I listened to the score for December. It is fantastic. I don't know that I will ever watch December. Again, I'm a scared little white boy, but it's yeah, fantastic music. Horror movies have great music. Look at... Uh, uh, big- look at Get out and um, oh god, freaking get out is so us. good. We just watched that the other day. Uh, why did you watch Get Out the other day? Emily was like, I've never seen it. I want to see it. Oh I was my like, god. Okay. Was I, she could, I couldn't finish it. No, she she actually did well with it. That's good. Um, Bacon and Eggs is a production of WBNE. Uh, WBNE is a podcast network. We promote positivity through creation. Uh, we have a bunch of different shows that you can listen to and enjoy. You can listen to Ethan's other podcast, Late to the Party. It's a Dungeons and Dragons show. Uh, DM'd by the fabulous and intelligent and wonderful Jordan Balky. You can listen to my other podcast, Bagels, where me and my wife sit down and we talk about uh, loving each other and stuff. Or you can listen to, and this one I really want to call to action right here. I really, listen, if you do none of the other things we told you to do at the end of this episode, I want you to go and download every single episode of Hello from Elsewhere. They just hit 10,000 downloads, which is a major achievement in podcasting. And I think we should get them to 20,000 as soon as humanly possible. So Hello from Elsewhere. It's Casey and Valerie Winters. They're a married couple. They are extremely intelligent. Uh, Casey got his master's degree just the other day. uh, And he wrote his dissertation on uh, Harry Potter and themes therein they are extremely smart and extremely fun to listen to i cannot recommend their podcast enough and we should double their download numbers just as soon as possible so please 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 go and listen to hello from elsewhere there's a preview for it right here hello from elsewhere that's the name of our podcast i'm casey and i'm valerie on our podcast we dive deep into the characters and themes behind your favorite movies and books all through a positive lens we explore all your biggest pop culture questions both thoughtful and silly like what is the symbolism of magical portals in fantasy stories what would happen if princess anna went on a date with kermit the frog and what does the name kylo ren mean anyway hint it has something to do with flowers isn't that so cute if it's pop culture 
we're interested in exploring the meaning behind it. So come journey through elsewhere with us, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, did you know someone once used the word jovial to describe hello from elsewhere? Did you know someone once described our podcast as better than a Wookiee hug? That is literally the nicest thing anyone has ever said. Neat. Anyway, I've been Ethan Etchill. He's been Tyler Carlin. And until next week, arrivederci. Not my tempo.